cats and groovy people out there. It's your host here in Austin with another edition of the Friday Night Right Yeah. And that's enough of that voice. And um, this is my normal voice. I have cold as I'm doing this introduction, but I'm back finally. Um, and I'm back for one reason only, and that's I am starting a new job. And I will have time to do this podcast because the job's eight to four. Five days a week instead of 11 and a half hour days and trying to do movies and all that in the background. No, now, now, this podcast can be weekly because I won't get paid, yo. I won't get my money. And the only way I'll get money is if someone listens to this and so like, wow, it's so much content. I can put in a pound for a month. I don't know if they're going to, but that's planned. So what am I covering this week's episode? Well, I'm also going to sing my more. <clears throat> so that's awesome. So the movies that I'll be covering this week are Napoleon, Saltburn, and Thanksgiving. And Marvels. Now, I've seen Marvel. As I'm going to this intro, I've seen Marvels and I've seen Thanksgiving. I haven't seen the other two, so I have no idea whether Saltburn or Napoleon were any good. I do know I've read something about Saltburn, which made me laugh. Um, uh, so, yeah, that sounds disgusting. But trust, guys, you're going to get... Four reviews this week. That should they call at least half an hour of stuff. Oh, and I might even talk about the new Scott Pilgrim series this way. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I will be back after a brief word from um, my, not sponsors, they left us, but um, uh, some, something will play during the next little bit. So guys, um, so first thing I want to say is it's cool to be back. I really, out of everything I've ever done, this podcast was definitely one of the things I've done. Um, but problem was I ran out of time. I was trying to finish the last movie, Bubba Batch and Sits, available on my store, BubbaBatchandFilm.com, available on English Nation Network as well. And of been writing scripts, but me I've just been pushing for this job because it's quite an intense few months. But now I'm back and podcast on a weekly basis to get paid because I haven't received any ad revenue weeks because, you know, um, I guess I'm not cool enough to be one of Elon's boys. Um, <laughs> don't get me started on Elon Musk, guys. Don't get me started on him. He's, a, he, he's an interesting cat. Also, while I'm here, just a brief shout out. Um, what you guys need to do is you need to go and listen to Who's There, a podcast about horror fans. Partly because I'm on it, I'm on the new episode, but certainly because it's a cool podcast. It's I had a great time doing it. I mean, my episode is my contributions are shambolic because I. <laughs> I, I, I'm a great interviewer in terms of, like, I give people lots to work with, and I'm very mouth and fun, but the actual goal of promoting movies, my movies, I, I, I don't really care about doing it. I don't care about being good at doing it. I'm just like, whatever, let's just have some fun. Let's talk bollocks. Speaking of talking bollocks, um, I saw the Marvels, and I... Okay, this is the part where I do get fright, slight, frightly, frightly and slightly frustrated because I am sick and goddamn tired of this concept that people have that box office equals quality. Look, 
We know Disney's goal with the Marvels is to make a billion dollars. We all know that. We understand it. We understand the business standpoint. That is true. And from their standpoint, it's not a success. But from my standpoint, it is success. And I'll tell you why. Because I enjoyed watching it. I had fun watching it. I legitimately had fun watching it. And I did not think I was going to. Not because I'm one of the people online who's like, oh, oh, woke, uh, uh, woman, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's ethnicity, diversity, oh, because I don't give a damn about the cast or anything like that, about whether it's a white cast or a rainbow cast, I don't give a shit, I just want the movie to be good, and it was a good, enjoyable movie. And I think this whole mindset of I can't enjoy a movie if it reflects reality as it is because people, reality is not, <laughs> reality is not Glengarry Glen Ross. And I love Glengarry Glen Ross. It's a great movie, but that's not reality. Sigma, anyway, Sigma's not, like, Sigma should be a reflection of society. It always has been, always will be. Like, you get stuff, You get stuff that's made decades ago that is like to one food fans for everything. Literally, someone's brings up that week where they point out you couldn't make that movie nowadays. And I disagree. I'd say you can make any goddamn movie nowadays. You would have to deal with some incredibly strange and angry people who don't have a life and they're like, where well, they can't have basic freedoms. But I think the other thing that annoys about Marvel is people, like... I, I, there's this dude online who's rambling about uh, Captain Marvel and basically the fact that she, in the own words, she basically lets off space Nazis by... No, I won't... No spoilers. But basically, just was... A lot of people put their politics into movies like this, and I don't understand that either. Because the goal should be a fun movie and a movie which has some value to it beyond merely being fun and a, but generally just fun. And the Marvels is a fun movie. Like, I don't, I really don't get the hate backlash Brie Larson's got because Rob Down Jr. in real life is a very sarcastic human being. And people are okay with that, but Brie Larson says anything, and suddenly they want to throw her out window. That's that's really messed up, and it really really bugs me because she's a good actress, guys. I'm sorry, she is a good actress, and she seems like a decent human being. Maybe she's not in reality. You never know what goes on behind closed doors in Hollywood, but she seems well. She seems fine. And this idea that people, and I saw this with the directors, where New Costa, where they're like, it really does seem like there's this snide nature to Hollywood where it's like, oh, we're going to throw these people, these directors, these actors under the bus because the movie didn't make money. Where it's like, the real truth, the absolute truth, the reason Marvels has not made money is because Disney, your content is Garbage. Overall, you've poisoned the way with the MCU. And the reason you've poisoned that way is because you've gone all in on this multiverse bollocks. 
yet you've made the best possible multiverse movie already. Spider-Man No Way Home is the best multiverse movie you will ever make. Now we'll have the we'll have some of the highs of the Avengers, the new Avengers one, when we get all of those old characters all around. That'll be a cool moment, but you've already made your best multiverse movie. You can't beat it. And the reason you can't beat it is because the appeal of seeing those Spider-Man actors share the screen and their classic villains is so fantastic and it's it, it is a lot of nostalgia but at the same time it's also incredibly well constructed and a very 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 fun movie a very well written fun movie now could it be better sure but in terms of what it's trying to do it's great and it's inventive and fun and the problem is you are going to try and redo that with a bigger canvas and you're not going to succeed and that's partly why I'm really irritated because the Marvels goes back to what you guys did best. It's a contains movie. It's not fine. It's not flashy. Although it has some cool stylistic elements, but it's a contains movie that has echoes of the wider plot, but is not beholden to it to the extent whereby you're throwing in cameos every five minutes for no reason. You just made a good super movie, but it came after so much crap. And I, I don't care if the consensus goes against me on this, but I did not like Guardians of Galaxy 3 at all. Uh, I didn't like Ant-Man 3. Black Panther 2, Black Panther Work On Forever, I enjoyed. Loki, I season 2, I really didn't like. So you've been batting pretty poorly with me for a while, Marvel. And it's not about diversity or wokeness or anything. It's just that your stuff hasn't been very good. And now you're... Poor planning. I guess you could say poor planning because I enjoyed Chan-Chi. No sequel. I actually liked... I'm one of the few people who enjoyed The Eternals. No sequel. But you seem to be drifting and you blaming people who make your movies firstly we know that's bullshit because we know deep down you micromanage the shit out of all of this so all your talk of are we going to fix daredevil you made the goddamn show that way in the first place you don't get brownie points for fixing something when you knew it screwed up and you went head anyway Marvel's success came because you guys planned, but also kept it so simple that you could go in any direction. You've gone off in all directions now. You've gone off a reservation to a point where we are never going to get an actual sequel to Doctor Strange. Like, I enjoyed Multiverse of Madness. I really, really, really did. That's not a sequel to First Doctor Strange. Or if it is, that's like the second sequel to Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange 3. You haven't made Doctor Strange 2. All of those hooks from Doctor Strange you've ignored completely and utterly. And the reason Spider-Man worked and reason Marvel's the Marvels worked is because this feels like a sequel to Captain Marvel. Yes, it's quite a bit later on. 
and yes, it ignores the Avengers movies again. Like Guardians of Galaxy 3, you have to ignore those movies because you don't actually have to ignore them. You can fatten them in, but the creators don't seem to care. And I but anyway, back to Marvel's. I, the actual review, I really enjoyed it. I thought it's fun. I thought it's sweet. I thought it's short. I thought it's inventive. And I thought the leads had great chemistry. Okay, maybe I'm blinded by the fact that I am a BC Boys fan. And despite the fact that I'm pretty sure one of the members never wanted well, their songs to be included in advertising or promotion, it's still cool to hear them on big screen, intergalactic. And they did actually play it in quite a unique place because I thought it was going to be an action scene it wasn't. And I, I, liked, I liked how flirk and crazy it was. It's a flirk and crazy movie, guys. I mean, I, at times I was like, what the flirk, you know? And, I mean, okay, but here's the other thing. Uh, and going back to Marvel's brief stuff, Secret Invasion sucked. And it sucks even more now that it has nothing to do with anything. Not even mention this movie. Apparently they're shooting both of them simultaneously, but I was like, Secret Invasion... You know, the fact that no one mentions anything about it or even hints at it is just so ludicrous. I mean, what a shit. What a shit series that was, seriously. Anyway, Captain Marvel. Marvels. Um, yeah, four out of five. Four out of five. I really enjoyed it. And I don't really give rats ass that it made no money and it's annoying people online because people online suck, to be honest. Except you guys, because listen to my podcast. You don't suck. So I, the first time I saw an Eli Roth movie was Cabin Fever, and it was, um, God, I think it's around about time released in 2002, or maybe I got on DVD later, probably DVD later, because I think I uh, bought it from the um, Arch Centre shopping Aberystwyth, um, and I, I... <sighs> The reviews made out seem like it was very Evil Dead, and like you watch moving, it's not. It's more uh, a horror about a sort of nasty side of humanity. So it's kind of, kind of a zombie movie, but not really. Um, it's like they all get infected with this um, body horror ailment from the water. Um, this compound which basically rots the skin and it's it's based on truth it's based on um Eli Rock having a skin condition apparently. When watching it I remember thinking like this is a specific um directorial vision. And you might not necessarily like the way Eli Roth makes movies, but they're very distinctly him movies, or at least they were Thanksgiving's kind of a strange thing because it's based on the parody trailer from Grind, Quentin Tantino and Robert Rodriguez's Grindhouse, which I maintain is a brilliant cinematic experiment. And I really, really enjoyed watching both movies and airing back, back, back all trailers and things like that. But how to phrase it, really? Um, Thanksgiving isn't that... Uh, it's not a grindhouse movie. Now it's very, very violent and it's streamed over the top, but this is not a grindhouse movie. This feels kind of similar to Machete, where Machete didn't feel like a grindhouse movie either. It felt like 
the studio version of those movies, but the original trailers, I, I suppose from Eli Roth and Robert Riguez's standpoint, like the trailers were made as just gags. It was just as many gags as they could do, like the constant decapitation jokes in um, the Thanksgiving trailer, the constant puns and the violence and the set pieces in the um, machete trailer. And it's one thing where Edgar Wright has always been very upfront with his own one don't, where he said, like, it's not a movie. It's it's literally a trailer paced. It's paced to be a trailer. It's not paced to be a movie. If you actually made a movie based on don't, it would be nothing like a trailer, because trailers intentionally meant to be misleading sort of pastiche of the way that European horror movies were promoted back then. Like, the actual movie, it'd have to be dull. And Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving's not dull. Thanksgiving is a good slasher movie. And it is funny, and it's violent, and it's pretty well written and acted, and the cast takes it seriously, and it's not hammy or... There's moments like bossing accents kind of over the top, but no one's treating it like a joke. And therein lies the problem for me, because I wanted to see that. Eli Roth's previous horror movies have been so bizarre and abstract. Like, if you see Hostel Cabin Fever, they're meshing tones all over the place. There's a bit of comedy, there's a bit of body horror, there's a bit of homage to old-school horror, there's some surrealism. And Thanksgiving doesn't really have that. It's much more earnest and serious. And in some ways, that's good because you get a competently made slasher movie and there's hope that it will become a slash series going on. But at the same time, it's like the problem is the material that Thanksgiving trailer suggested was exploitation, grind-out nonsense, playing on all of the tropes Eli Roth was so good at. And the actual movie is not that. That was not bad. It's a good, good slash moving. It's brilliant seeing original slasher concept. I mean, I'm, they have made Thanksgiving movies for, but the idea of making a sort of slasher scream style Thanksgiving movie is quite cool. It's a good idea, and it great in an original horror franchise is cool. Where last, I don't know, but it's definitely got that feel, and it's specific. The Boston aspects of it, the the dialect. The town, the puns, the, the pageantry, you know, there's definitely something. And even John Carver Mask, there's definitely something where it feels like there is an identity to this horror movie, which some horror movies haven't really had in a while. I think Saw's the last franchise, horror-wise, which actually did, you know... I mean, Conjuring's very, very middle American. It's very good, but it's very non-specific, non visualize where it's like saw has its own identity to the point where you can tell whether it's saw movie just from a single frame and thanksgiving feels the same where it's very the colors are kind of muted it's grimy it's very very violent like incredibly violent although bizarrely it's very puritanical like there's no sets to it, which is strange because Eli Roth has always had that stigmatic aesthetic of I want to make sli greasy, slimy, disgusting horror. And the violence is disgusting, but it's kind of tame from any other standpoint. And I feel like that's the studio saying, and maybe that's why it took him so long to make it, because I was always wondering how long does it take to make Thanksgiving as a movie? Like, it writes itself, but... I guess it doesn't, because if you have to deal with studios and 
green lighting and things like that. I mean, maybe he just thought it works as a joke, but it's not going to work on its own merits. It, it does. I mean, it, I think my own real issue with the movie is it's, as someone pointed out online, it's definitely inspired by 90s slashers. And while Scream is at the top, I think people forget how bloody awful most the ninety late 90s slashers were because they had no identity. Scream's identity worked because it was playing on those art types in Wes Craven with very no interaction. I disagree with Quentin Tantino if you know Wes Craven directed Scream badly. I think he directed it perfectly um, in terms of what material was about. And think going too stylish would have been a mistake. And think that's giving falls into that. Where it's like that Cherry Falls, I know what you did last summer, Urban Legend, where, I mean, K. Cherry Falls is a bit visually unique, but there's other ones where it's like, these aren't, there's there's no sense of a, a vision from a directorial standpoint. And Thanksgiving, I would prefer going for 80s. Like, it, it feels very, very much like Eli Roth, Eli Roth is trying to make this as close to peace as possible, right down to the fact that it can only be certain... The, the list of who could be killer is very short. Because we see killer in profile, and that automatically rules out numerous people. And yes, you can go, oh, well, they can always retcon it later on, but I, I just got sense very early on, there's only one person who could be. And indeed, there's certain visual cues early on that kind of point out who it's going to be which is very pieces because pieces there's only one possible person who killer could be and it is that person and it's ludicrous but i think the problem is that he comes close but pieces brilliance to me and i know it's not brilliant for most people is how eccentric and idiosyncratic it is where it's so much thrown at you, so many weird jokes, like kung fu jokes, uh, just tennis matches, just random nudity, random set scenes, ridiculous plot twists, and I think that's giving trying to be as close as possible, but you really do get a sense that the studio's like, you got to tone this down. And Eli Roth got away with as much as he possibly could, but he couldn't quite get away with all of it. But at the same time, he made his movie. This is... Definitely his movie. And I give him credit for that because I generally get the impression he's been trying to make this movie since Grindhouse. And Grindhouse's failure at box office and all the stuff with Miramats and the Weinsteins, those play awful human beings. And I think since then it's obviously made it harder. But he finally made his movie. And now we have two after four Grindhouse movies made because I know I said about Edgar Wright's don't and it won't work because movie, but I won't see it. Because I think Edgar Wright's someone who, if he could figure out a way to do it, would nail it. Absolutely nail it. And I want to see Werewolf Women VSS. Um, I don't know if Rob Zombie will ever actually get around to making that. And that one would definitely need to be compromised. But Rob Zombie's aesthetic, I think like that's the movie he was born to make. And, like, I don't know. I, I, I wish they would make those two. Just for curiosity value. No. Although, I mean, may, but maybe it would be better. Maybe if Thanksgiving was side by side with stuff like Don't, and they're both 45 minutes instead of an hour and a half, maybe it'd be better. Maybe if you had the time to do joke, 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 you know? 
So yeah, um, Thanksgiving. So Marvels, I can't even remember what I gave Marvels, but Thanksgiving, uh, 3.5 out of 5. Um, okay, so guys, I'm just going to be up front. There's spoilers for Salt Burn in this review. Um, I'll give you a quick sum up. This is a weird fucking movie. That's my review. This is a weird fucking movie. If you just want a review and don't want any spoilers, fine. It's a weird fucking movie. It's very well made, very well acted, very well shot, kind of well written. Uh, F1 is unlikable. There's no one to root for. And it's fucking weird and excessive and at times gross. So there's my review. Um, if you don't want to be spoiled, you can tune out now. But in from in a few seconds, I'm going to spoil movies. So if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening now. Okay, if you're still listening, I presume you won't be spoiled. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> Pretty much like um, I I don't. I, I got nothing. This is a weird, weird movie. And it's not like moving this advertised. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm sure there's lots of people who thought who really enjoyed this movie. And I enjoyed parts of it. I thought parts were great. I thought the acting's really, really good. I just I I I I just, I, I, just, I don't know guys. I, I I don't know. Like maybe I got old, but then I don't think so, because I, I can watch excessive stuff and it's fine. But this movie, I was like, this just I don't know. It felt like it's aiming for shot value, and it's not so much I was shot. It's more I was like, "Why are you doing this? What's what's the point?" <laughs> you know, maybe maybe I'm just old. Maybe that's the point. I'm thirty eight, thirty nine in January. Maybe it's the point where I'm too old to understand this sort of movie. You know, I mean, I I'd argue that you know it could be that it's not. The movie it should be because it's this sure shit, not movie they advertised, which was a horror movie. Not a horror movie, but sort of a thriller about loss of innocence. But in this movie, no one has any fucking innocence. Okay, and let's start with the elephant in room. And by elephant, I mean Barry Keegan um, dancing naked to Murder on Dance Floor by Sophie Ellis Fester. Yeah, we're going for the big spoilers here. That's. I. I. I don't. Know what I was meant to be feeling in that moment. <laughs> I don't know what I. I mean, I found it kind of funny, but also kind of fucking batshit insane. And um, I I think it maybe trying to say something about the movie. I think is trying to say something about class. Um, but I don't understand what it was trying to say. And again, maybe I just don't get it. Maybe I just can't get it. But all I think of watching movie was that. Someone was like, what can we get Barry Keegan to do on screen? And he's a great actor. He's a very giving support, really giving actor in this movie. Jesus Christ. But, like, at some point, it's like, you know, you don't have to do this stuff. Like, I mean, they put him, he's, they put him through the ringer. And if you talk about, like, actors being safeless, Barry Keegan is one of the most safeless actors safe less actors I've ever seen. Like, he's the Daniel Bryan back thing. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, wherever you want, I'll do it. And it's like, at some point, you just... No. Like, I mean... I don't even, like... Okay, firstly, I'm just going to say, Jacob Eudori, I don't think he's 
a great actor. Maybe they'll change in the of this movie, but I don't think he's much shakes. No. I don't think he is particularly succeeding working off Barry Keegan. Maybe other people disagree. I don't know. But I just thought his, his character is a whole bunch of nothing. Um, and the performance wasn't really up to much. And I, okay, so I think my big problem is it's, it's one of those movies where it's watching it thinking, what would I do differently? And I'm not saying I would have done a better job than Emerald Fennel because I did think Promising Young Woman was, apart from some tonal issues, a very good movie, very powerful. But this one's like, I don't... Okay, how how best great this? Um, This would work great. It feels like they're going for an emotional vampire thing with these characters where they're all blood-sucking parasites or out to screw each other, I guess. In some cases, literally. But it... I don't know. It's just so weird. I don't feel like they... God, how to explain this? Because my, my thoughts are scattered. I just thought, like... If you're going for shot value, you have to commit entirely to it. And that has to be your driving focus. If you're going for a suspense movie, that has to be your primary focus. But this one, like, were we meant to be surprised by the revelations? Because, like, it's not, they're not particularly twisty. And maybe that wasn't the point. I mean, movie playing those revelations so close to their chest for so long, maybe it was the point. But, like, it just felt like, are you assume, do you think we're, we're dumb? That we think these things going on are coincidences in movie? Because they're clearly not. And I don't know. I think when you don't have someone root for, like, for example, in Wolf Wall Street, we're not rooting for Jordan Barefoot, but we understand his perspective. It's cringe and it's wrong and it's evil, but we understand why he does what he does. But with, like, <laughs> Oliver, I you, you don't get context to later on. And then it's like, you get bits of it, but he's still blank slate because the way his backstory works, there's no driving force for why he does what he does we never get that sense and when they pop at the end and go like oh this is actually how who he was it's like well then but there's scenes in the movie where he's on his own and that's not conveyed so it feels like you're lying to us in those scenes or he's lying to himself but like <coughs> i don't know it's just i feel like there's a <sighs> There's a great movie in here, and I don't think they made that movie. I think the social satire side is like, um, God, it's so difficult because I don't. Could you fix this? Like, I mean, Nick recast the guy who played um, Felix because he's just no, just get rid of him, just cast someone new. It's kind of weird. Barry Keegan could probably do that role better than did his role, actually. Because, I mean, it's... Just, <laughs> I don't know. My thoughts are all a mess. Um, I I have to go 3 out of 5 because it's not bad, but it's not good. It's just sort of... Everything about it should 
make for a successful movie, but I, I just I, I just don't like it. I really don't like it. Um, it it grates me on a mega level, and that's sad because you know the trailers were excellent, and I love the composition for the shots, but like. No, it just doesn't. No, it, three out of five. That's what I'm going to give it. Napoleon is a weird movie. <laughs> it's very strange. So the last two movies by Ridley Scott are House of Gucci and Last Jewel. And Napoleon is a hybrid between both. Um bit more House of Gucci, if that makes any sense. So to explain the comparison, House of Gucci is a ostensibly, ostensibly real-life movie based on real-life people, but it's very weird and wacky and goofy and it doesn't take that seriously. And that's true of this movie where in part, although there are parts where it takes it quite seriously. But the point I'm trying to make, if I'm trying to make any point, well, is that this movie gets very broader points and it gets very House of Gucci, where I can't imagine it's based on any semblance of historical accuracy, as Ray Scott's point out. It's not historical government. But at the same time, there's a version for this movie which exists, which is far more serious. And that version would probably be an Oscar contention because it would take advantage of Jack and Phoenix and how he's great serious actor but parts of this movie harken back to his acting in the um Bo is Afraid where it gets very wacky very over top although that movie does bad job of consistency of it um this movie doesn't it's boring's the wrong word although I have heard people say it's boring for me I did drift off at points but that's because I had things that were more important to think about, I guess. Which might mean a movie is quite boring. Um, you know, you'd have to be a judge of that. But I found it quite bizarre. At points, it was almost a parody. Like, there's there's numerous scenes where he's reading newspapers and they're making fun of him. And it's just like, at that point, it comes almost Naked Gun style, where it's like, this is... This is something which would be a Naked Gun style parody of parody by her pick of Napoleon, not a big budget Ridley Scott Apple Jacqueline Phoenix Vanessa Kirby version. Now, here's the thing. Right, so for me, I don't think Ridley Scott thinks much of Napoleon Bone Part All. And I think also I'm not entirely sure he had well, his so I don't think the script's very good for one thing. It's not a very good script. And I think that's probably where the problem lies. You get something like Aaron Sorkin writing a script for a Job, Steve Jobs movie, for example. Or one Mike Fassbender. Aaron Sorkin knows how to balance comedy and drama. And this script doesn't do that much at all because it doesn't it doesn't have a flow. Um it doesn't have real it seems to hop from part of Napoleon's life to part of his life and not really dwelling in parts of them. Um, the only relationship they even try and flesh out is him, is Napoleon and Josephine, but it could almost use that sort of last dual multiple perspectives thing so we get more sense from Josephine of how she feels about it because it's trying to paint it as like the great love, but 
it doesn't really do a brilliant job of explaining. I mean, I know to a large extent it's down chemistry and things like that, but at the same time, it's like we need more. Like, what's their actual life like? Like, for example, she has kids when they meet. What's the deal with them? Because they disappear from most movie and then they're brought back at the end. And it's like, what did they do? And same thing for Napoleon. He has a bastard child out of wedlock. And that child doesn't refactor into the plot. Oh, and I know historic history and all of that, but a lot of this probably is inaccurate anyway. And it just feels like if you're going to deviate that much, make it a tighter narrative because they won't cover 30 odd years of his life. But mainly, he doesn't look 30 years older. And I know sometimes my attitude with that is sort of like, I don't care if you de aged them, they'll act their part. But at the same time, it's like, you know. You're telling us it's further in time, but you're not showing us. And I don't know. I just feel like this. I won't say let down, and I won't say it's bad because I feel like I need to watch it again. I'm not going to sing my do that, but when it's on Apple TV, I watch it again and re get a sense of it. But for me, it's just not as good as Killers of Killer of Flower Moon, and it's far, far below my movie of 2023, which is Babylon, and it's. In some ways, it's disappointing because Jacqueline Phoenix and Ridley Scott, like, that should be a home run, but no. It's not really. And I I don't know. It just it doesn't work for me the way I was hoping it would, but I'm open to watching it again. Um, so, yeah, there's my review of Napoleon. It's not really much more I can say about it. I mean, I'm not as angry. Like, Saltburn actually made me slightly angry napoleon's just like eh, it is what it is no it's it's the least of the, it's last jaw is so much better in every conceivable way and i think part of that's down to script ridley scott is a great director but you need a script man anyway so napoleon i'll probably go for i'm gonna be generous and say three out of five but my gut would say 2.5 out of five but there you go Hi guys, so I was going to cover the um, Scott Pilgrim's Way, but I can't be bothered. You have a bunch, four movie reviews. I've seen four movies this week and you have four movie reviews. So there you go, Friday Night Friday is back. Um, I don't know if I'll be doing this many reviews next week, but I'm sure there'll be stuff and fans involved. But anyway, thank you for listening and remember as always, life is beautiful and you might be too, I don't know. But anyway, good night. And good luck.